0: Welcome to the podcast of Motorweek, Television's original automotive magazine. Motorweek is made possible by tirerack.com
1: and rockauto.com.
0: Here's your Motorweek podcast host, John Davis.
1: Thank you Alec Webb and welcome everyone to Motorweek Podcast number 223 and sitting around our table in Motorweek headquarters studio C is senior executive producer Dave Scribner. Hello and over the edge reporter Greg Carlos. I am here. Writer researcher Garrick Zykin.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And road test producer Kyle Scanlon. Hey everybody. And we're going to talk about something very special on today's broadcast and that is our Motorweek Driver's Choice Award Winners for 2020. Now, to put this in perspective, everybody picks cars of the year. We do it a little bit differently here at Motor Week. We've been doing this for 38 years, and we look at where people actually buy cars, the classifications, and try and pick. Our best vehicle, the one we like driving the best, and the one that often usually should represent the best value for the money in each car class, and now SUV class, and truck class, and et cetera. So we're going to start from the top of the list, go down, uh, and we'll all talk about why we think it happens to be uh, the pick of the litter. And we're going to start at the small end of the spectrum, not where everybody is at these days, but... Small car, Mazda 3. Okay. There are a lot of small cars out there. It's not the most obvious choice. Why did we pick it?
2: I think fun to drive would be the first quotient on that. Easily,
1: it drives better than almost everything else Mm -hmm. in its class. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it is the driver's choice award. And when we sit down, we think, what is the most fun car to drive? We obviously have other parameters, price being an object for sure. Uh, But... Unanimously, I think Mazda across the board and the Mazda three uh, is no exception. Just tend to drive better than and anything it, else in its class. It's great looking too. It's a oh, nice yeah. looking Doesn't vehicle. Look very nice. Doesn't look and they, like an they did go box. a little bit more mainstream. I think trying to grab some more buyers because you need people to buy these cars. Um, so the inter- they really put a lot more effort into the interior, being more yeah. comfortable and they, it coddles you a little bit more. Uh, but definitely still a good driver's car.
1: The uh, car class that has sort of gotten beat up on in the last few years because people seem to be switching down to smaller sedans, if at all, and switching up, obviously, to SUVs, is the family sedan class, which usually is ruled by the mid-size family sedan, the Camrys and the uh, uh, Accords. And this year's winner, the Hyundai Sonata, all new, made in the USA. Everybody got a good taste of it from the recent Super Bowl commercial about SmartPak. SmartPak.
3: SmartPak. I can't Mm. do
1: it. So, but besides that feature, what does this car offer?
3: Style. It. uh, They kind of got back to the whole. um, You know. Form-forward design uh, because the last Sonata went a little more conservative. The same thing we were just talking about, mm-hmm. Mazda, trying to get more buyers. Uh, this one, it was nice to see. They kind of went a little bit more out there with styling. So I think and it grabs you right away. Yeah, it's It's got a very plain
2: vanilla class as well. A lot of the cars are kind of safe and sedate, and mm-hmm. I think this puts it out there a little better.
4: It definitely stands out.
1: Yeah. I was really impressed with how it drove. I thought it was um, – of course, very quiet. We sort of expected that. But usually, you know, that this class of car is, is kind of numb. Mm-hmm. And it had a little bit more of that almost Mazda-like spirit in, in driving it. You could feel the road. It was very competent, uh, powertrain, uh, quiet. So I think uh, they've done, Hyundai's done a great job. And I like the fact that they haven't abandoned this car class mm-hmm. like so many other brands have. If I had one wish, it would be that they would find a way to add all-wheel drive so it would be a little more appealing to people that live in, in the Northeast. Okay. Best convertible. This is uh, often a class where we don't have a, a lot of choices, and it's an interesting, interesting choice this year because of the um, lineage of this vehicle. The BMW Z4 is our winner. Why is that notable?
4: Well, I'll say I spent a decent amount of time behind the wheel of that car, and it is just an absolute blast to drive. I uh, did the track testing on it, it is really quick off the line. The handling was superb throughout the the cones and it i just got to reiterate myself it is just a blast
3: but it it sh- it is also shares a lot of things with another car that won one of our awards this is true supra
1: indeed that is uh, our best sport coupe award winner and a lot of people have heard of course in you know, just a lot about the Toyota GR Supra, but they've heard very little about the BMW Z4, and they don't really understand that these vehicles are linked. Um, The Supra has, of course, uh, a chassis that was engineered largely by BMW for the Z4. It's got a similar powertrain. But the difference between, since we're talking about both, if you drove one, you don't necessarily identify it with the other, do you? No. No
3: not from a surely drive standpoint i mean uh yeah you get inside and you notice some bmw touches here in the supra um obviously the z4 i mean it's just that gets the benefit of the doubt because it's already a bmw um but we recently drove both of them and i think they do uh, have a fairly distinct drive style between the two. The Supra is a little bit more on rails, um, a little twitchier, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's more of like a fast It's more like car. a sports car. Yes. Yeah, now the, the, the Z4 is a little faster in a straight line, but um, it's also it more of a, a grand tour.
1: It's more of a grand tour. I mean, I, I'm actually impressed— that toyota and bmw were able to give basically the same pieces
2: well toyota know, as picked through the character. parts bin a little bit and cherry picked the things they wanted to have suspension bits and did very like, much their like own for team. an m package on bmw they took that for the supra or things like that they could tailor it to, to their desires
1: yeah i think they both did a great job uh best luxury sedan uh, a segment that hasn't Suffered nearly the same fate that the family sedan has. There's still some very, very advanced uh, members of it. Audi A6 was our choice this year, and I think it was
3: almost unanimous, as I recall. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. And um, for me, it just doesn't get much better in this class because of the style, the technology, and just the sheer drive of it. I mean, it's comfortable. And it's uh, beautiful again, and it's got an
2: incredible interior. I just like the smoothness of the Audis and how
4: they drive, and it's just everything's seamless. Yeah, it's a very very comfortable car for long-distance driving.
1: Best sports sedan. Now, a lot of people say, well, how do you make a distinction between a luxury sedan and a sports sedan? And it's getting pretty difficult because our winner, the BMW 3 Series, has a lot of attribute, attributes for the A6. To me, it was just a little bit sharper and, mm-hmm. you know, just appealed to my – performance instinct a little bit more with the Audi was definitely on the cushier side, even though it rides uh, very, very firm.
3: Yeah. It seemed like uh, the three series got back to its roots a little bit with this one. Um, and I, and I mean that specifically as far as like performance, uh, because a lot of like they've gotten away from the analog gauges and things mm-hmm. like that, uh, but it is a comfortable interior. Uh, but I think just fun to drive it. It, it came back to that original three series, you know, Yeah. Just a joy to drive on the road. And it was a good mix of,
0: of being refined and sporty. I think which that's, which, which separates exactly. it, say, from the luxury sedan where it's, it's more luxury and comfort. If you
1: look at that quotient, it, it right. skews towards the right, sport. Exactly. Thank- mm-hmm.
0: And that was actually, and we had the uh, M340i, and mm-hmm. one of the notes I have is it's been one of my favorite cars to drive on my favorite local road. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just a lot of fun. Happy for the weekend.
1: I want to pause for a second. Does anybody miss having just two big analog gauges and not basically have them digitized, you know, and video screen. Is that bothering anybody?
4: I'd it, say it's a car. It depends on the car. depends on the class yeah. of car. Yeah. yeah. You know,
2: I'd want that in a little Miata or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. basic, give me what I got to know.
3: I'll say it. it doesn't until you get into, like, Something that does have really nice analog gauges from 10, 20, mm-hmm. 30 years ago, and you're like, wow, this is, this is cool. But I don't know if I like it from uh, you know, an actual use standpoint or just because it seems retro at this point. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people spend such a little bit
2: of, amount of time on every car, it's tough to learn each car you drive and you know, all the nuances of it and where to find the button or the switch for mm-hmm. that or the change the gauge packages or looks some of them some of the
3: new ones are beautiful though and they can display i mean any little bit of information that you want
2: Mm -hmm.
1: the good with the bad okay we're going to move on to our best performance car really not much of a surprise the chevrolet corvette stingray now around the table most everybody's seen it but there's been very little driving at as as of this day when we're recording this podcast i've driven it but not at speed Uh, There have been a few people out there in the media world, including Jay Leno, that had a chance to drive it extensively. I think this award is, from what we know about the car, from our limited driving, and also just the groundbreaking aspect of it for an American vehicle, for Corvette, first mid-engine, rear-engine, I should say, Corvette ever.
2: And the execution of it, it was done right.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful car inside now. It's very cushy. It drives amazingly quiet. That's what got me.
3: Anybody else have any I get questions?
2: a track test of it in a few weeks. Yeah. I'll know more then, obviously. But yeah, looking forward to that. It,
3: and it's it's nice to see that they kind of kept some of that American heritage, keeping With a pushrod V8 yeah, you know, in the back and yeah. the uh, yeah behind you. So, yeah, I think, like Dave said, it was just well executed. And it seems like they waited to get it right and – and By price, all accounts, they have the price.
1: You know, under sixty grand, and granted, you go up pretty quick from there. But you're still talking about a car that I think the end result will be after everybody starts doing comparison tests, holds its head up very well or with the most expensive cars in the world. And for it'll, a fraction, it'll
3: compete, no doubt. Yeah. I'm sure on the track with cars that cost two three four times more than it does yeah a a revolutionary car i think in a lot of ways especially for a u.s manufacturer
1: small utility we all know the utilities are the thing these days everybody's probably listening at home and saying when are you going to get to the suvs well here we are uh toyota rav4 Uh, this has been a favorite of ours since this new generation came out and um what can I say about it? They've got the regular, they've got the very well received uh, uh, hybrid version, and coming this sur- summer, the Rav Four Prime, which would be their plug-in hybrid. Are the hybrid's new. The uh, the, the hybrid no. is not new, but the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid that's coming is. This is uh, we've we've honored this vehicle before. The hybrid is so popular mm-hmm. that they're now opening a second assembly line for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Ah. But we've lived with one as a long term vehicle sure. for seven months. So what was your collective, you know, thoughts about the time you spent with it?
0: I like that it's responsive. I, I would take the hybrid over the non hybrid for the responsiveness. Um, and it was a lot I think it's a lot more fun to drive than you would expect from a small utility. Uh, driving around town, so I, I like the responsiveness.
1: It's awfully roomy inside mm-hmm. too,
4: and it it looks great. Yeah, so I was just going to say, is I uh, times when I had the Rav Four or the weekend and stuff like that, whether bringing my two large dogs to the park or throwing some friends in to go out and get some food, you know, everyone is... Did you let them sit come, in the seats? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> friends of the dogs. Or, yeah, which ones? Which ones, which ones. But um, yeah, it's, it's got plenty of room inside for, you know, everything you need with the fold-down seats, the extra cargo capacity, you know, you can, you can fit a lot of stuff in there, a lot of people, a lot of dogs, whatever you need, and like what Garrick was saying, the responsiveness of it is uh, I would definitely pick the hybrid over the regular.
3: Well, until the Prime gets here, it's the best-performing RAV4. I mean, if you want the quickest RAV4, it's the hybrid, and right. it's every bit that. And I think the thing I take home most from the RAV4 hybrid that we had uh, was how comfortable it was on the highway. Yeah. And that's not typical for a hybrid, because they can get a little more Or typical
1: for a small utility. Sure. Uh, it's only a like a $1,500 walk, and with that, you get of a, almost ten mile per gallon boost in fuel economy, mm-hmm. we were seeing thirty five and about you know up from say twenty five on the standard one. So, uh, no surprise that um,
0: plus yeah. it's more interesting to drive. Fuel economy, which is, good, is what the awards is, are all about. Exactly. You're absolutely <laughs> right.
1: All right, midsize utility. In a way, this was kind of a surprise, Honda Passport, because you know when it first showed up, we're thinking,
3: well, it's basically a pilot that someone took a meat cleaver to. But it turned out it was a lot more than that. <laughs> Yeah, we had some debate over this one, but I think ultimately, I mean, everybody just saw how solid this car was. And so there was some argument saying that, it, well, it's just a chopped-off Pilot. And, well, the Pilot's a really nice SUV. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> and yeah, and, and I like part. having that extra space back there about that third yeah. row. Yeah, everything was just, its just very, very Honda in the best way possible. It's yes. solid. It's just... It's just reliable, plenty of space, maybe a tad more expensive than I want it to be. Mm -hmm. But I think you get a lot for the money.
1: Which I think is why our uh, large utility kind of stands out, not necessarily against the passport, but against the pilot. Uh, We've given it to a duo. They're mechanically similar, but quite different in what you see uh, taken with your eyes. And that's the Hyundai Palisade and Kia Telluride. The first real players in the large or what we used to call mid-size three-row uh, SUVs, um, they share powertrains, they share the chassis, they share a lot of interior attributes. You could argue the Telluride's a little sportier to drive, the Palisade a little cushier. We've had a chance to drive both of them. What do you think?
0: Why did we give them the award? Well, I was really surprised when I got in the Telluride the first time. Mm-hmm. I was. I was expecting a large SUV, but um, it feels very solid. The the interior is, is, I would say, somewhat premium upscale, uh, moving in that direction, plenty of power. Um, I enjoyed driving it more than I thought I Mm -hmm. I would. Um, So I I think they did a really good job with that. It certainly has standout style, and I've seen quite a few of them on the road since we've been driving. I
1: understand there's like a three-month waiting list for uh, both of them. I agree with everything you said. The Palisades a little bit more luxury oriented. Both of them drive much smaller than they are. As a matter of fact, the vehicles are actually smaller than they look. They look huge. They look like a Tahoe, but they're actually about the same size as a Highland. They dealer, don't or drive Pilot. big
2: either. They're very nimble, they're very nimble, and they're just the right size package. Yeah. I think. I think it's like uh,
1: whichever one you like best. Uh, yeah. You can't. You're not going to make a bad decision, and they're priced right too. Loaded them, loaded it up. They're they're under 50 grand with everything on them. Mm-hmm. Luxury utility
3: and exploding market right now. The Mercedes-Benz GLE. We picked this one pretty quick. I think. Mm. Yeah, uh, there was probably the least amount of debate because really excellent vehicle inside and out great great ride tons of technology and obviously, right size
1: too yeah nice the right big, size you're right small.
3: and uh yeah and it's i mean if you want to go up to uh, the the gle 63 from amg you can do that uh but even right down to the base gle it's just a really really nice vehicle anybody else
1: Moving on to pickup trucks, and this was interesting. Uh, We've given it to Ram again. We gave it to them last year, but not just one Ram. This is the Ram pickup truck lineup, which includes Mm -hmm. the last generation Classic, which has been so popular that FCA may even keep it around longer. It's the current generation 1500, and of course, it's the new HD, which is new this year. Why is Ram so popular?
2: I'm going with the interior, Yep, my uh, first
4: impression. That was one of the things I was going to say. The technology packages that they have in these trucks are just unbelievable. They're extremely intuitive. They are so user-friendly. I forget exactly what trim level it is, but I was on a drive with them when there's – about the largest tablet you've ever seen sitting Mm -hmm. there in front of you. And for your guidance uh, system especially, it makes it really easy to follow it when in other vehicles they'll sometimes throw the guidance up in the dash on a tiny little screen. And even though it's right in front of you, it's still a little bit difficult to read and see what turns you have to take, especially if you're on back roads, which sometimes I'm on some really country roads taking these cars on adventures, and the Dodges just blew me away. Or the Mm -hmm. Rams, I'm sorry.
3: I think it just comes down to the ride. I mean, mm-hmm. I can imagine people go into a dealership and they're not, sh- and maybe they've driven a Ford and a Chevy. They get into a Ram and it's a noticeable difference how they make all like the a, a pickup truck can can ride like this. And I think it gets a lot of people right there. Mm-hmm. They keep hitting what people care about you mentioned kyle
1: the interior and greg you mentioned the ride and they do things that get lots of attention like you know with the new hd they broke the thousand pound feet of torque barrier Uh, they just do smart stuff that appeal to the everyday driver and that's why ram is now the number two pickup truck brand surpassing chevy for the first time ever and they've earned it Okay, the best eco-friendly vehicle of the year is the Kia Nero. Wow, what a favorite of ours! <laughs>
2: well, we got quite a lineup to yeah. something for every uh, every point you need.
1: Well, you want a hybrid or regular. EV. Yeah, I was EV. shocked
2: with the EV. The EV was really nice. It was. We road tripped that around the state of Maryland, and it was just like, wow, well, this is really great to drive.
1: And what a great <laughs> package. Yeah. You know, if you want something small but you really need to carry something big, you can do it mm-hmm. in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an absolute home run on every level, and the fact that you can buy you know, such a wide variety of right. powertrains. Uh, it was an easy pick as our eco-friendly mm-hmm. vehicle of the year.
0: I think Kia really deserves a lot of credit for this car, because it came out in uh, 2017 as a hybrid, and was specifically designed for this wave of electrification that, that we know is coming. Sure, you had a Prius, and you had a Tesla, and you, there were other—you uh, had Chevy, Chevy Bolt. You had other electric or electrified vehicles, but— um, but you have car companies now that are saying over the next five years we're going to have electrified versions mm-hmm. of our models, and Kia did this in 2017. In
1: purpose built, in purpose built, in purpose
0: right. built, they, that was their intent. The platform was intended for electrification, hybrid, plug-in hybrid, and EVs. So I just think that the fact that they were ahead of the wave or, or riding the mm-hmm. wave uh, and I executed right. and executed it before a lot of car companies. Are, that they deserve a lot of credit for that.
1: And to me, it, it you know, furthering your point, they looked at things like the Prius and the Bolt and mm-hmm. they said, that's fine, but we're going to make it more useful. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to do what people really need. Basically make a small SUV, even though if it's only front-wheel drive, mm-hmm. that can really live up to right. the hatch, you know, that it's got. Our dream machines. This is our category where we basically think, okay, if you know, money was no object and we got really lucky at the uh, casinos, what would we buy? Uh, The first one is, uh, I think, kind of a no-brainer. Actually, all three of these were the Shelby GT500.
3: That's uh, quite the car on a racetrack right now. Uh, You know, compared to the last GT500, which was uh, more of a straight-line car, this one really just kind of rebranded itself as just an absolute road course monster It's fast 760 horsepower i think uh grip is just unbelievable and the braking uh i've i don't really like to brake as hard as i did in this car and, and other cars because just it's a little sketchy but i was threshold braking in this on a track i'd never driven and felt totally confident and i think that's a huge deal it is Anybody else? I mean, the, it's,
2: the sound is just to die for. Yes. <laughs> yep. It doesn't
3: have the flat plane, but it still sounds pretty incredible. It's a, it's a, a great uh, car
1: to follow along with the heritage of, of Carroll Shelby. And, I mean, anybody that has seen the uh, Ford versus Ferrari movie understands this car. You don't have to be a necessarily a Mustang aficionado, just an aficionado, an aficionado of great American performance engineering. Mercedes-AMG GTR. Wow, what a car!
3: On a lot of different levels, yep. I think that's it. Kind of lives up to the dream machine because of price. I mean, it's expensive <laughs> car. Uh, <laughs> another great car on the track, which is just I love that. So many of these cars we drive now aren't just like. Great-looking grand tours that you can just take them on the track, and they're awesome. This fits the bill, and uh, just a beautiful car, in my opinion. And practical. I mean,
1: you know, you actually can drive this car every day. Sure, mm-hmm. it's comfortable when you want it to be, and, and sporty when you want it. Pretty amazing automobile. Uh, the Porsche Taycan Turbo S.
2: When we voted for this, I think only Garrick and I had driven it at that Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And I was like, take my word for it, guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And we've now all
1: had a chance to sample it. And uh, (laughs) it's, you know, for Porsche's first production EV, it's awesome.
0: Then they were intent on it feeling like a Porsche. And Mm -hmm. and I think that they succeeded in that. Um, I like EVs. And for a lot of reasons, my concern going forward is that there's going to be a sense of sameness and the driving experience, as opposed to internal combustion engines, they have different characteristics. What the Taycan did for me, it kind of eased that fear. Is that an EV can have its own characteristics? That they are not all going to be driving the same, and um, it, it certainly it certainly feels like a Porsche and very sporty. Um,
1: who drove it first? Didn't you drive it first? I drove first. What was your first impression? Do you remember what the first thing that hit you when you the got heft, behind the wheel? The heft of how it. How big it was. How, how big, heavy it was. How heavy
0: it was. Yeah. Um, and,
2: but also the, 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 the power um, I think the headrest in the back of my head was what hit me first. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that hit me too when we were yes. on the track.
3: Um, and yes, that, that did hit me. <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. You, like it doesn't compute when you see a car just take off like that with no – With no, no sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, wow. But, yeah, i think a slayer. unbelievable what, what Porsche was going for with this car is to – the whole idea of driving like a Porsche is being able to take it – to drive it to the track from wherever you live and then Mm -hmm. drive it on the track and then drive home. And as we found, you know, as long as you have a few chargers and somewhere to, to get this thing plugged in, (laughs) you can drive it on the track. We didn't have, Uh, we took it to Roebling, uh, put it through the normal paces. We couldn't take it as many, um, times around the track as well, we, we normally did about do?
1: 10, it's a two-mile track. We did about 10 laps at speed, and that took us well, down from about 185 indicated fuel economy to about 50, and, and we go off and charge it. And that's
3: to be expected, but yeah. the big win is that we could take it for 10 laps and we were and doing a, drive it hard. You, it you guys didn't are over 160
1: miles an hour. We were. I was
3: con- I was consistently hitting it between 155 yeah. and 160 10 laps in. I All mean, right. it didn't. Didn't fade while well, I wasn't losing power, which I think is pretty incredible. And, yeah. it's
1: a beautiful car it man. is just, yes. you know it's beautiful yeah.
3: So that's
1: our category awards and of course we all pick get together and pick one vehicle as the best of the year and we'll have a drum roll for that a little bit. Really no surprise. go ahead hit the bell there just out of <laughs> honor. The Chevrolet Corvette Stingray, for all of the reasons that we mentioned it before, it's a groundbreaking vehicle for an American manufacturer. Everybody's been talking about a mid-engine Corvette for 20 years or more than that, probably. And now it's finally here. Uh, All of the um, entry-level models, we understand, are actually sold out. Uh, But dealers, I'm sure, will be... um, trying to tack as much money onto the sticker as they can for a while. But it's interesting is this vehicle is also the the first iteration of the Stingray. There's already rumors that there will be some kind of electrified version of it down the road. So I mean, we may be revisiting this car again. Thank you, everybody at the table, for all your contributions. Uh, if you're interested in seeing our segment on the Motory Driver's Choice, I'm not sure when you're listening to this podcast, but it starts airing on public TV stations on the 8th of February, and it's show 29, uh, 3923, and you'll find the segment up on our YouTube channel as quickly as we can get it posted. With that said, we're going, before we wrap up today, we've got a couple other things we want to get to. One of them is a viewer question, and it's about one of our winners, a Hyundai Palisade. We've got a question from Sam. Sam says, When very cold, this engine sounds like a pea thrasher. And we had to look up to make sure we knew yeah. what a pea thrasher is. I'm either was.
3: too young or You're not young. country enough to know
1: what a pea thrasher <laughs> is. But it's quiet once it warms up. Is this common with today's engines? Uh, we have a Palisade here at work. We have noticed that there is valve train noise when it is cold. Uh, we've noticed the same thing with the Telluride, although I think to a less extent. Uh, it does go away when the engine is warmed up. It is a mechanical sound. I think I don't find it objectionable. I'm just surprised because so many of the vehicles we drive are so quiet. Uh, we've got no indication that there's anything nor unusual here. A lot of engines have that sound when you open the hood, but don't have it when you close it because of sound deadening. This mm-hmm. one
3: seems to. Any other impression? I can't say that I uh, – It didn't seem this, quite no, as loud as Sam well, described. Right, but I know what Sam's talking about right. because, yeah, when it is really cold, the engine doesn't sound quite right. right. Um, but it's made it's doing something to make sure that everything's – working right when it's cold i mean it has to get up to temperature which i mean a modern so it's engine,
2: an emissions thing
3: yeah a, a modern and as long as it does go away i think is the big thing as mm. long as it's not hanging around or like tapping while you're driving the entire time but you know the modern engine doesn't really need to be warmed up like something did 40 years ago no, basically start it up wait a few seconds i mean if you want to heat up your seats or whatever you got to do that's cool but the engine really doesn't need it itself Start it up and just drive carefully for a few miles, and it'll get up to temperature on its own. Even though the
1: one we've we've got here at work does have, you know, automatic start, so you can do it from inside the house. So your temptation is to do that. Sam, keep an eye on it. Uh, You basically certainly asked your dealer um, if anything – Happens that this turns out to be a problem, we'll be the first ones to let you know. But right now, we think it is just a, a feature of a lot of the uh, modern engines, and may have more to do with sound deadening material maybe not being up to snuff than anything else. Uh, but all but modern engines do make noise. Rant and rave, Now, I understand, Greg. You've got something you want to contribute. Yeah, I feel today. like I've been talking the
3: whole podcast, so I might as well. Well, keep you going. have, but that's okay. We uh, like to hear you talk. Yeah, so I uh, now it seems like it's a daily occurrence for me to put a child seat in and out of a car, and um, a lot of them that we get, the anchors have uh, removable plastic covers that, you know, I just that's what most manufacturers do, and they're terrible. Put, and you have to put them somewhere; you lose them. They're rattling around. I get into the BMW uh, X3M competition, competition that we have in right now and was pleasantly surprised to find that they just have a simple solution of a... Uh, it's a cover, but it's spring-loaded, and you just push your clip in there, mount it, and the the cover is just up and out of sight until you're done with it, and then it just flaps back down. You don't have to hide it anywhere. You don't have to put them, and lose, put them down and lose them. So I think it's just a really simple solution, and I... Uh, you applaud, Enjoy, it. I, yeah. I applaud it and major, sh- make sure it's something I would have never easier. noticed, you know, a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anybody else got anything? I'm good to go. I think that wraps up our MotorWeek Podcast 223, our 2020 Driver's Choice Award uh, special. I want to thank everybody around the table Dave Scrivner, Greg Carlos, Gary Zykin, Kyle Scanlon. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for your contribution. Thanks to our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who always makes sure that we come through loud and clear. Greg, of course, again, is our podcast producer and our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. For all of you out there, be sure to catch Motor Week on public television stations. We're also on the Motor Trend Cable Network. We're up on YouTube. We're just about anywhere that you've got a screen or a way of accessing the media. We'd love to hear from you. Sit down and write us uh, at MotorWeek anytime you can. Till next time, thanks for very much for being a part of the MotorWeek family. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible
0: by TireRack.com and RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org and watch MotorWeek television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.